We had a great service here on Friday. We, um, we got to nail our burdens to the cross. Who was here on Friday? That was really special, wasn't it? To be able to just come forward and nail whatever it is we're grappling with to the cross. Because that's, that's what Jesus does. He, he takes our burdens upon himself. That was Easter Friday where we looked at the cross. That's where Jesus died for us, the pain, the penalty for our sin, so that we might have eternal life. But how can we even know that we have a? How do we know that this is all real? Well, I'll tell you why. Because Sunday's come. That's how you know it's real. See, on Friday we remembered Christ died for our sins. But Sunday is when Jesus not only promised eternal life, he delivered it by proving it to us and being raised from the dead. Romans chapter 6 verse 8 says this. Now, if we have died to Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that the Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to our God. You see, we were dead in our sins, and he took that upon himself on that Friday and was crucified. I said on Friday that nails didn't hold him to the cross. Love did. Love for you held him to the cross. And he bore our sins we live in a world that has been systematically stripping away hope for all mankind. Have you noticed that recently? A world which now finds itself at the mercy of a rampant virus. By the way, you look very nice in your masks. <laughs> Who was that masked man? That could be anybody these days. Shorn of hope, despairing for the future, condoning every kind of sexual sin and deviancy, and persecuting anybody who stands for what is right. And into this despairing, hopeless world, we, you and I, people who believe in Jesus, can carry a message of hope, not just for now, but for all eternity. See, through the cross, Jesus saved us from the penalty of our sin. But through his resurrection, Jesus became the first fruits of what he promised and what we can all share with him, which is eternal life, life forevermore with God in his heaven. Hope springs eternal, really does. You know, we live in a world... Perhaps more than ever before, I've never seen hopelessness in people's faces. Have you, have you ever noticed that? In my short time on this planet, I have never seen hopelessness in the eyes of Australians like we see today. I've never seen, uh, you know, people just devoid of where they go, just such confusion reigning right across the world. One quote I read said this, Feeling hopeless and full of despair is just a slower way of being dead. And that's really true. If you feel hopeless, you're halfway dead already. So let me ask you, is your hope dead today? The world seems to be without hope. The coronavirus has brought the world as we know it to, a, to its knees, ruining lives, families, businesses, placing countries in debts that they will never, ever clear. Add to this the disintegration of morality in our society that we've seen over the last year or two. To the point, it's been promoted by media and government. We've basically taken eons of morality and thrown it down the tubes in favor of a quote-unquote new way to go. But it's even reached the point in our free society, Australia is supposed to be a free society. Our grandfathers and great-grandfathers fought and died to keep our country free. And now in our society, in some states, it's illegal to have an opinion contrary to the government illegal to have an opinion you're not even allowed to have an opinion and don't worry it's coming here it's in victoria at the moment if you speak against any of the sexual reforms even as a pastor or a counselor 
or a friend or a parent, then you potentially face jail time. This is where our society's got to. Any wonder we lack hope when we've got people like that leading our nation. Let's face it, in 2021, things look pretty hopeless for the world, for our nation. In fact, if without Christ, I would say it's exactly what it is. It's hopeless. Ephesians 2 verse 12 says this. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. And if you have no God today, you have no hope. You really don't. Those first disciples back there at Easter time, on that Friday, they lost everything too. They were devoid of hope. I mean, they'd seen it with their own eyes. They'd walked with Christ. They heard what he said. They heard him. They saw him nailed to the cross. They heard him cry out in a loud voice. They saw the spear get thrust up into his side. They saw blood and water come out. They knew he was dead. They saw him taken down and placed in a tomb. They probably knew there was a guard on the tomb as well. Every hope they ever had for the future died that Friday. All of their dreams, all the stuff they wanted in life died that Friday right there. Jesus had healed people. He'd challenged people. He'd, he, you know, he'd fed 5,000 people at once. He'd raised the dead. He'd challenged the hierarchy. He'd promised big, but on that dark, miserable Friday, it seemed like he just died like anybody else would have in that situation. A Roman centurion at the base of the cross, when Jesus had yielded his spirit, looked up and he said, truly, this was the son of God. But the disciples weren't saying that. They were running scared. All hope had been crushed that day. So maybe today, I don't know where you're at in your life, but maybe today you've lost hope as well. Maybe like those disciples back on the Friday, you feel like you're on the boulevard of broken dreams. All the things you wish for, all the things you hoped for, all the things you sort of wanted in life seem to have just faded away. Maybe you're standing outside the tomb of everything you've hoped for and believed for. Dreams of a successful business, a relationship or a ministry seemingly lost in the mundane pointless existence the disciples were there that seen it all crumble and maybe some of you are there and despair is winning the day but that was friday that was the cross that was the execution the death of their savior and their friend and their lord so friday was despair saturday was misery but today is sunday folks today's sunday and that's when hope explodes out of that terrible situation This hopeless, empty empty world needs to know that we have hope and that there is hope for them. So what is so important about an empty tomb? Our entire faith in God rests on an empty tomb. To many people, they stop at the cross. They, they, They ask the Lord to forgive their sins, but they never go on and get the life he promised just a few days later. Any historical analysis, if you sat down and we did this one year, probably do it again One year we went down and did a forensic examination of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there is enough information to convince a cold case detective and any jury in the land that Jesus in fact rose from the dead. It's the only possible explanation. I won't go into it now. But what I can tell you is that people don't believe simply because they don't like the facts. The facts don't suit their lifestyle. So they reject, not because it's not right, not because it's not true. They reject it because it doesn't suit them. But today we know our hope is alive because that tomb is empty. In 2021, we know that Jesus is alive and that's what gives gives us hope. Matthew 28, 5 to 6, the women turned up at the grave and the angel said this to them, do not be afraid. 
For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Come, see the place where he lay. See, out there, if you go out around the world, I don't know where, but somewhere out there, Buddha has a grave. Confucius has a grave. Muhammad has a grave somewhere. But Jesus doesn't have a grave. He's not in the tomb, folks. He's alive. He's alive. And everything he promised those disciples, the power of God, same power that raised him from the dead, is, can fulfill all of his promises, every single one of them, to you and to me and to those disciples. John 11, Jesus uh, was, was walking through a town. He stopped at the well. He met a woman there who was a reject of society. And he said this to her. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, should, though, he, though he die, yet shall he live. He said it outside the tomb of Lazarus. He said it to Lazarus' sisters. Though he die, yet shall he live. And that's his promise to us today. That's his promise that as we go through our life, we can have his life living in us. You see, the world offers hope. Let's, let, I mean, the world's trying to give everybody hope. Wear a mask. It'll change everything socially distance i've got a daughter who's an introvert she was socially distancing before it was cool to socially distance the world the hope is a world sorry a word that the world throws around we use hope differently we say oh i hope this works i hope you feel better i hope i get a new car i hope tomorrow will be sunny that's a forlorn hope i don't think so but the true essence of the word hope, it gets cheapened in our society. Webster's Dictionary defines hope as to, uh, cherish, to cherish a desire with anticipation of attainment. See, to the world, hope is longing for something. It's anticipating something you want with all of your heart to be fulfilled. Have you got hopes? I do. Your things you, that, that you hope in, the problem is the world's hope is not guaranteed. It's often dashed. Turn on the news... And in about five minutes, every hope you have will be dashed. All you hear about is misery on the news. Have you noticed that? I actually don't listen to the news. <laughs> yes, I can't be bothered. I listen to the football. I don't listen to the news. All you hear about on the news these days is what? COVID-19, am I right? Wow. And angry people fighting to get their own way. Look, what hope have our young people got? They'll tell you there's not enough housing. There's not enough toilet paper. <laughs> you know, we live, this is crisis point, folks, when there's not enough toilet paper. People fighting to get their own way. There's too much loss and scandal and controversy. We have to wear a mask. For the first time in my history, I have to wear a mask. Is that you? We're supposed to, by law, wear masks. Now, the only advantage I can see to wearing a mask, other than the breath thing, um, is that, it's, this is for you ladies, is that you only have to do half your makeup anymore. You just do from here up, and you're good. That's the only advantage I can see in wearing a mask. But we're all doing it for the cameras. We are all doing it. The world's version of hope is based on circumstances. It's based on what's happening around you. What you want, what you get, your desires, your needs, your rights, your situation. It's based on things that cannot and will not ultimately satisfy. The Rolling Stones, I don't say this often, but the Rolling Stones got it right. 
I can't get no satisfaction should be the anthem of our entire globe. Because doesn't matter what happens, you will not get satisfaction. You move into a new house, you find everything that goes wrong. You get a new car and it's only a year or so and it's all messed up and it's not working well. We are never satisfied. We can never be truly satisfied this side of heaven. But God's hope is different. You see, God doesn't offer hope like that. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who was promised is faithful. You see, biblical hope is different to the world's hope. Biblical hope does not depend on events. On that first Easter, all the, all the events seemed to go against him. He was dead and placed in a tomb. But biblical hope goes beyond events that you can see. Biblical hope depends solidly on the Word of God. That's what it depends on, on His faithfulness, on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's just an example of God's faithfulness and the power of God. See, it defies all circumstances. It defies all the norms. Biblical hope is subject only to the Word of God. Biblical hope can be defined as this, a sure expectation based on the promises of God. Biblical hope is not like worldly hope. This hope is eternal. It cannot fail. You imagine that. Hope cannot fail. Hebrews 6 verse 19 says, We have this hope. It is an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. If you're floating through life, if, if life's battering you around right now, I'm telling you, grab a hold of Jesus. He's hope for your soul. He's an anchor you can hold on to. Romans 15, 30, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. See, that's what Sunday's about. It's about hope. It's about an abounding, a super abundant hope that God offers. Not just a, a vague wish that we hope it gets better. It's a sure foundation to build your life upon. It's an anchor that stops you drifting and floating after other things. It's the rock upon which the Christian stands. That rock cannot be moved. It cannot be shaken. It's the hope of God. This magnificent hope is forever bound up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection is about hope and our whole faith is built on it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 16, it says this. Listen to what Paul writes. Because he was talking to people who didn't believe that God could raise anybody from the dead. This is what Paul has to say about it. He said, if the, deaf, if, sorry, if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Even though then those also who have fallen asleep or died in Christ have perished. He's saying, if there's no resurrection of the dead, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're all lost. We're all doomed. Even people that you know who have died haven't gone to heaven. There's nothing there. They're all doomed is what he's saying. But then he says this. If in Christ we have hope in this life only... We are of all people most to be pitied. Then he says this, but in fact, Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who've fallen asleep. You see, Paul wrote these words. When he wrote those words, there were people alive at the time who were eyewitnesses to Christ. There were people alive at the time who could shoot that down if it wasn't true. When he wrote those words, there were people still living who'd seen the resurrected Christ. That's how we know it's true. That's undeniable proof. 
he explained that without the resurrection, our faith is useless. It's even pathetic. Without the resurrection, our belief is meaningless and we are of all people most to be pitied. Without the resurrection, Christianity is just another religion. If you take the resurrection of Jesus away, if you could somehow remove it, then Christianity degrades into a string of stifling, draconian rules for a bunch of deluded, hoodwinked, brainwashed people. That's us without him. But Jesus is alive today, folks. And the Word of God and all the historical evidence tells us Jesus is alive and that He kept His promise and that Jesus is who He claimed to be, the Son of God. People say, well, Jesus was just a good teacher. Really? How did He raise Himself from the dead then? I've met a few good teachers. Most of them, you know, when they reach a certain point in their life, they die, never to be seen again. You see, if He was just a good teacher... He couldn't have been raised from the dead, but Jesus is the Son of God. Therefore, he can be raised from the dead. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. Now, that Greek word alive is the word zupoio, which is the term that is used when a seed germinates. You see, you take a seed. I'm not much of a gardener. I've got to deal with God. If I stick it in the ground, it's his problem from that point on. doesn't work very well, but at least something grows at my house. But if you take a seed, you can store that for years, decades, sometimes even centuries. And it's just a seed. It's dead. It's just a seed. But with the right conditions, it springs into life and it doesn't become a bigger seed. It doesn't get resurrected Oh, sorry, sorry, it doesn't get resuscitated to become a better seed than it is. It becomes new life. It becomes a whole plant. And that's what that word means. When it says made alive by the Spirit, it means that a new life germinated and exploded out of that situation. What a great word to describe Resurrection Sunday. You see, Easter is not about hot cross buns and chocolate. It's not about eggs and bunnies. It's not about families and holidays and midnight mass. It is about an explosion of hope and life that came on Easter Sunday morning and has been felt around the world for centuries ever since. Jesus in Revelation 1 says these words. This is Jesus speaking. Listen. Fear not, for I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades (laughs) see when the Bible talks about hope it's not a maybe it's a sure thing Hebrews 11 verse 1 now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen see what happens to your hope if it's unrealized some of you live here some of you have lived in a situation where you've hoped for things and it didn't come off you've hoped a bit more didn't come off hoped a bit more didn't come off what happens after a while after a while well the Proverbs 13 says hope deferred makes the heart sick how's your heart feel this morning do you feel a bit sick you know sometimes i it's it's you know it's it's a tough one it's like supporting a bad football team you know you keep hoping and nothing happens it just gets dashed time and time again is anybody here like that i'm the only one clearly okay (coughs) moving right along we'll forget the overnight results 
See, hopelessness steals from you the belief that somehow, some way, your dream might come true. It steals that away. This world is expert at sucking the hope out of people. Part of the key role of Lily House is instilling hope back into girls who've just lost all hope, isn't it? It's what it's like. They've just had it sucked out of them. And the devil wants to do that to you today. Think about it. The disciples, Mary came to the disciples and said, hey, Jesus has risen. What did they say? Great, fantastic, let's go. No, they said, we don't believe you. They didn't believe him. Why didn't they believe them? Because the hope had been sucked out. Jesus had said this was going to happen, but the hope had just been sucked out of him. And sometimes you experience hope getting sucked out of you as you live in this world. And Satan, that's what Satan wants. He does want people filled with hope. He wants to destroy that hope. Why do you think the church is being attacked right now? Because he wants to suck the hope out of the church so that they have no hope left. He's like a, he's like a hope vampire, like a hope vacuum cleaner. He just sucks and sucks the hope right out of you. See, that's what the devil tried to do with Job. You remember Job? Job had faith in God. He was believing God. Then all these bad things happened to him, all these circumstances, all these horrible things happened in his life. And he said in Job uh, 17, my days are past, my plans are broken off, the desires of my heart. Where is my hope? Who will see my hope? At that point, he had lost hope. Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe life has just sucked the hope out of you. Well, let me tell you, if you're struggling with hope today, you're in good company. Because not only Job, but King David, Joshua, the disciples, Paul, there's a whole stack of guys in the Bible that struggled with hopelessness. If you feel like your hope is gone today, if you feel like you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, keep walking. Do not camp there. Do not set up a table there and have a snack. Just keep walking because I tell you there is hope. Resurrection Sunday says there is hope. It's a day when eternal hope can be made alive again. See, eternal hope is alive because Jesus is alive. 1 Peter 3 verse 1, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Today, more than ever, we need to proclaim that Jesus is alive. I hope you call up 10 people when you get home from church today and say, hey, by the way, Jesus is alive. We need to proclaim this to a world that is just struggling and collapsing in hopelessness. And listen, the hope of eternal life starts now. It's not pie in the sky when you die by and by. It's not something you say, oh, well, when I die, I might get eternal life. I'm telling you, eternal life starts now. And it not only works for all eternity, but it can work as you face whatever you face in your life right at this moment. How do you think some people can face incredible tragedy and struggles and death and sickness and all that stuff, but still have the right spirit, still be full of hope? It's a supernatural thing. It's the, it's the life of Jesus coursing through your veins. Romans 8.11 says this, If the spirit of him who raises Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So whatever you face, whatever conflict, whatever difficulty, whatever fear you face right now, to quote an old song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Sing it with me. Because he lives, all fear is gone. 
Because I know, I know he holds the future And life is worth the living just because he lives Wouldn't you like to have, live in that attitude? Sometimes we get battered and knocked around And we need to look at Resurrection Sunday and realize that Jesus still lives And if we are filled with his spirit we can face any difficulty in life. We can face fear. We can face sickness. We can face governments, terrorists, mortgages, people attacking us. Anything life can throw at us, we can face because we have, we have faith in him and his life lives in us. You see, death for the Christian is not a full stop. It's a comma. Death for the Christian is not something to be feared it's something to be celebrated. I, I've walked this road um, with many people. I was talking just the other week to uh, Colin Dix, who uh, is coming to the church here. He's an oncologist. He's, his whole job is walking the road to death with people. He's got an incredible perspective. I'm going to get him to speak on that again soon. But, you know, this is a man who deals with it every day. I've only had to deal with it a few times in my life. But I tell you, when someone is dying... And you're walking that road with them. It's painful, isn't it? I watched my dad die a couple of years ago. I sat by his bed day after day watching him die. And it's hard to watch someone that you love, someone that you are close to, someone that you care about, and you're seeing them die in front of your eyes. It's really tough. But I knew this, that as his body began to fade away, I saw hope in his eyes. There's a, there's a certain amount of, I guess, fear and trepidation as you face death. But my dad was not frightened of what was beyond death. He was frightened of the moment, but not of anything beyond, because he trusted in Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he knew. And you, could, you can tell when people are dying and they have that in their life. You can see it in their eyes. Romans 6 says this. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. See, you may not believe there's a life after death. Some of you here are saying, well, I'm not sure. I really, you know, I really believe in life after death. I don't think so. I'd rather believe in evolution and that sort of stuff. I don't believe there's a life after death. Some of you might be saying that. I believe there is a life after death. Maybe you don't, but I tell you, 10 seconds after you or I die, we'll figure it out. Maybe two seconds. Because here's how I see it. If I believe Jesus and you don't, then I can trust him so that if I'm right and we die, then I get to spend eternity with him in heaven and you go to hell for eternity. But if you're right and I'm wrong, then I just get to lead a fabulous life here and we all finish up nothing. You see, trusting Jesus Christ with your life is a win-win whether you're alive or whether you're dead. You're still winning because you've got his life in you flowing through you. There's that blessing, that incredible hope that can face any problem, that can overcome any obstacle because you have that hope within you. Many years ago, back in the olden days when I was a young boy, <laughs> I'm not going to comment, I'm just going to put it out there. 
I suffered a severe allergic reaction to, uh, strangely, to snails. Can you believe that? Um, actually, it's to all shellfish. I didn't know at the time, but I was allergic to shellfish. So that's why the Bible says, put aside your shellfish ways. So I did. <laughs> I have now. But at the time, I, you know, I hadn't. Anyway, I didn't know I was allergic to it. And I had this, um, this incredible allergic reaction. They rushed me to hospital. And I, I can remember quite clearly because I was in a hospital. I was lying on this um, table. And it was almost like I kind of fell through the table into the arms of Jesus. And I could feel I was surrounded by this incredible love and this incredible hope and this incredible just amazing sense light and all that sort of stuff but I could kind of look down a tube and I could see them working on my body up there then after a while someone I'm guessing it's him whispered in my ear your time is not there yet I've greater things for you to do and the next thing I know I was floating up and then it was happening all around me again I believe this church is part of what he wants me to do so I'm glad that you're here to share that with us. But when I got back to that sort of operating table, when I floated back up and was in amongst it again, I said to someone, when I could draw enough breath, I said, what just happened? They said, you died. You died on this table, your heart stopped and all that sort of stuff, and it took us about a minute, minute and a half to haul you back. Now, you, I, you might say, I don't believe in that stuff. I don't care. You weren't there. <laughs> I was. And I'm telling you, there is something the other side of death. And I know that when I visited there briefly, whether you think I'm delusional or not, many do. When I visited there, I'm telling you, there was something, someone incredible there gre greeted me. Someone gathered me up in his arms and held me. I've got an incredible hope as I face death. Do you have that hope today? See, I died and sensed something was there. This past week, Rob Scotes passed away. And her heart goes out to Delise and the family. But he's now in paradise, folks. He's now enjoying that. I don't have to, you know, I, I, I just can't imagine what it would be like to not know what it is out there. Because I have this hope so ingrained in me. And I have what in my mind is proof of that. But I was resuscitated, folks. I wasn't resurrected. I was only dead for a short time. I was, I was resuscitated. I didn't die. But Jesus came and died for us. He was genuinely dead. And then he was resurrected. And I'm telling you now, Jesus Christ did not die and be resurrected to make bad men good. He did it to make dead men live. And that's the difference. We have that life in our, flowing through our veins right now if we know Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to make a serious commitment to him today. You could walk out of here and get hit by a bus. Unlikely because they run on very rarely around this part. But <laughs> you could be in a car crash. You could have a heart attack. You don't know what is, what is coming down the line, but unless you know Jesus Christ, you are going to a lost eternity without him. I'm not going to mince words. You are going to hell if you don't know Jesus Christ. Someone said to me the other day, do gay people go to hell? This is going on record. The answer is yes, so do straight people. So do black and white people. So do male and female people. We all go to hell without Jesus. 
There's only two people in this world, those who name the name of Jesus, who claim him as, as their Lord and Savior, and the rest who are going to hell. I'm sorry, I didn't make that up. The Bible says it. And so that's why we celebrate life today, because we have life within us. One of my favorite films is The Great Escape with Steve McQueen. Who likes that film? Come on, you old timers. It's an awesome film. Remember this? You all think you ride a good motorbike. You should see this guy. Steve McQueen, that's him there in The Great Escape. Well, Steve McQueen accepted Jesus Christ very late in his life. And he was uh, heading to Mexico for a film uh, that he was working on at the time. And he contacted, Billy Graham was in Los Angeles at the time. He contacted Billy Graham. He said, is it possible, sir, to meet you? And so he, he got to share a short ride. Billy Graham came in a limousine and, and shared a ride from, from, from where Steve McQueen was living to the airport so he could fly to Mexico to finish this film. And on the way, Steve McQueen said to Billy Graham, he said, Dr. Graham, how can I be assured of eternal life? Well, Billy Graham took his Bible, his own Bible, and he underlined Titus 1 verse 2. Let me read it to you. It says this, in hope, there's that word again, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. And he gave his Bible to Steve McQueen. Well, Steve clutched that Bible as he hopped on the plane. Then he flew to Mexico. And just a week or two later, he died in Mexico. He had cancer at the time. The actor passed away in Mexico. His body was flown back to Los Angeles. And listen to this. As he was buried with an open casket, the body of Steve McQueen in the casket had Billy Graham's Bible on his chest with his finger pointing to that verse, the hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, pointing right there. That's how Steve McQueen was buried. This man will be with us in heaven. Isn't that exciting? See, Easter Sunday's never been about rabbits or chocolate eggs. Today, Resurrection Sunday is about hope. It's about hope for life, hope for living each day restored, hope for facing anything life can throw at you, hope that fills us, hope that is eternal, hope that's real, hope that is alive because Jesus is alive this day. So today I want to challenge you, as I wrap it up here, I want to challenge you to live for him or if necessary, die for him. No one dies for a fairy story. If this was a big fake... Then of the 11 surviving disciples, not counting Judas, the other ones, 10 of them died martyrs' deaths. No one dies for something they know is fake. This is real. Jesus Christ is real. His resurrection is real. And the hope that he brings is real. His hope will never fail. The hope that we must live by. It's the rock upon which we stand. It's the power by which we live. It's the hope we have for all eternity. And this hope is here waiting for you today. Philippians 3 says this. Paul writes that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, that by any means possible I might attain a resurrection from the dead. Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we live in a world that's just been shorn of hope, but I'm telling you, there is hope in this world because he lives. Would you bow your heads with me?
God's speaking to people this morning. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you've been. But I know some of you here have lost a lot of hope. You try to, to, to believe. You try to, you know, keep it going. But inside you feel like you're struggling for hope. And you need a touch from God this morning. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, then I'm telling you straight, you are facing a lost eternity without him. You are facing hell. But I don't want you to do that. You could die just as soon as you walk out of this building. Don't you want to know that you're going to heaven? Don't you want to know that your life counts, that your life will have meaning for all eternity? Don't you want to know that you can be with those whom you love who've gone before you? His life is here this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, or maybe you've done it in the past, and maybe you've not lived it for a long time, this is your moment to get it right. Don't leave here without the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your life. Say these words with me. Just say this, Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned, that I've not honored you. But right now, Lord Jesus, I ask you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit power and thank you for your gift of eternal life. There are others of you here that are just, you're believers, you know God, you love God, maybe you've loved him for a long time, but you've just had a really rough trot and your hope has just been battered into submission. Well, I, I believe God wants to touch your life this morning. I believe God is going to touch many lives here this morning. If that's you, if you're really struggling with that hope, if life seems hopeless and you're struggling with it, just shoot your hand up where you are just quickly and put it down. There'll be many of you. Don't be frightened. We're not going to do anything weird. But just shoot your hand up if you're struggling with hope. Some of you are. I know that. That's okay. That's okay this morning. But I want you to pray with me. Say these words, Lord Jesus. In my hopelessness, I reach out to you. I repent and I ask you to fill me with the hope of your resurrection power. Lord, you've heard these prayers this morning. As we struggle with a world around us that attacks and, and maligns us, a, a world that batters our hope, Father, I pray that the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead would flow through us by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. We want to yield our life to you. Lord, we don't want to take control of our own lives. Lord, we want to yield everything to you and say, let your spirit live through us. Give us that hope that we could face anything in this world and know that you are in control. Just say these words as we wrap it up with me. Say, Lord Jesus. So let's say it all together. Lord Jesus, you are our hope. Let us live for you and shine your hope into all the world. Because he lives. Come on. 
I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know, I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lived. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God because he loves you. God bless you. Who's had a good time Resurrection Sunday? Don't just walk away and get back to life as usual. Don't just go and do an Easter egg hunt or something. This has got to work every day. So I want to encourage you to spend time in the Word of God every day. Read His Word. Pray. Get stuck in, folks. Because if you do, I promise you, there's a life beyond anything you could know. And it's coming your way. Just as I wrap it up here, let me just mention to you that you are now sitting in a borrowed building. Because Lily House is the proud owner of everything you see around you here. And you can pray over the next uh, week or, or two. We are hoping to settle on our new property in there. But pray also for Lily House. There's some great times coming up as they begin to build and transform this place into something that will be amazing. Amazing. It's coming up. So uh, we will be moving in, I'm hoping, around about a month's time or maybe a little bit over, depending on how fast we can make our builders work. Um, we'll be moving into the middle of Namble. But I want to encourage you. This is an incredible time of change for us as a church. It's very exciting. But we're not moving into Nambour so I'm closer to McDonald's. <laughs> right? We are moving to Nambour so that we can shine the light of the gospel and the hope of Jesus Christ into a world that needs it. Are you with me? God bless you. We'll see you next week. Take care.